All right, folks, welcome into a uh, brand new edition of the Bluff City Media 901 Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Lawrence Docker. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. And you can find Bluff City Media on Twitter at Bluff City underscore media. Uh, this is the first video edition of the the artist formerly known as the 901 Soccer Podcast, now known as the Bluff City Media 901 Soccer Podcast. But you can still find all the content, all the live tweets, all the all all the snark, whatever you whatever it is that you're looking for. It was still on the 901 Soccer Podcast Twitter and Facebook pages. We're just now under the Bluff City Media umbrella. And while we're here, go ahead and follow Bluff City Media here on Twitter, and go ahead and subscribe to them. Jump in on their website. They got a lot of good stuff going on. It's not just 901 FC and Memphis American Soccer that we got going on over there. We got a whole bunch of other stuff. We got Tiger football, Tiger basketball, Grizzlies basketball. Uh, looking at poss- you know, we're looking at some other stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's new, uh, so go ahead and, and go on and start following them. Sign up for all the content coming insider. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do over there to stay up to date on all of the uh, sports going on here in the Memphis sports scene. But what we got for you tonight is uh, we're just going to, we're going to, for right now, we're going to do this like we used to do the old, the old podcast, the old audio podcast. So for those of you that were longtime listeners and first time watchers, uh, now you get to see what it'll look like. Uh, uh, I hope it, I hope it's not too displeasing to your eyes, but uh, I, I do apologize. I do have a face for radio, uh, but this is, this is where we're at and this is where we're going and we're going to do what we can with it. So for tonight, what we got for you is... 901 FC opened their season at home at AutoZone Park against Loudoun United, and suffice it to say that it was a disaster. Not well, I don't know. Maybe disaster is too strong of a word, but it started out like a disaster, and then it turned into just a debacle. Uh, I guess you could say as they fall at home 3-1 to Loudoun United. Uh, it's the at least the second straight year where they've dropped the. The, the season season opener and the second straight year where the home opener was the season opener uh, they fell last year at home 3-0 to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, if y'all recall that was a game where we weren't even sure the game was going to get played because we got hit with a blizzard out of nowhere the night before uh, which which was interesting and they were able to the folks down there at Autism Park busted their asses to get uh, all the the leaf blowers which turned into snow blowers to get all the snow and ice and gunk off the field and you know, we got to play that game. Uh, unfortunately, we fell 3-0. Uh, weather was questionable uh, today. It was uh, drizzly and wet and gross out. Uh, when I got down there today, the tarp was on like it was a baseball game. Uh, but uh, and there was a brief downpour right right in the middle right in the middle of when they were taking the tarp off the field. Is there was there was a big downpour and. It, it caused caused a, a couple of there were some inquisitive minds that wanted to know whether the game was going to be able to be played or not. And luckily, here I am. It's eight ten. Uh, you know, there we we had horror visions of being stuck down there till ten o'clock waiting for the weather to clear. Luckily, that didn't happen. Uh, although, uh, I don't know. It might 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 have done might have done the team just a little bit better to to find some way to delay the game because they came out. And, and I guess we'll just, just, just right, jump right into it. The team came out uh, like they weren't aware that they were supposed to be out there. It was not a good start to the game. You, I don't know that 
and, and I've watched some bad soccer from Memphis 901 FC primarily in 2019 and mostly in 2020. Uh, but the first 30 minutes of soccer against Loudoun tonight was probably the worst 30-minute stretch of soccer I have ever seen Memphis 901 FC play. You want to talk about lost. You want to talk about, I don't, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but uh, slow. You want to talk about uh, perhaps in over their head. Anything bad that you want to say about that first 30 minutes, I am not going to push back on. Because it was bad. Just, just, there's no there's no two ways about it. It was bad. And Coach Glass will be the first one to tell you that. And that's what he told me after the game. Which reminds me, uh, this is all still very new to me. So you're learning and I'm learning and we're, we're, we're going along. Once I get everything figured out, this will be a much smoother operation uh, than... It is at this present moment, and uh, once we, you know, once, once I get it all figured out, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, but one thing that uh, I enjoyed being able to, to bring to you, the listeners, last year was in the post game, just recording and dropping some of the audio from from Ben Pierman or any of the players in to the middle of the podcast. But since this is going to be video, I'm not quite sure how exactly we're going to make that work. Uh, we'll, we, we, there's a lot of bright minds working on this. Uh, what, what do they say in Indiana Jones and, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, we have top men, top men working on it. Uh, so uh, eventually, we'll, I hope to be able to get to a point where I can put the audio from the post game into what you guys are seeing. Uh, maybe there'll just be a video clip, uh, although just sitting there and filming while I'm asking the questions could be a little bit awkward. Um, I will say. Uh, this tonight was probably the second time I've met Stephen Glass, and I mean I like the guy, uh, but it, it was almost like a like a uh, like a bad first date. It's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of what it felt like because last year there were a number of times where I was the only media member at the game, and therefore in the post game was the only media member asking the questions. And if you'll recall, I made the joke that I had all the exclusive audio. Um, that that is still the case. I have all the exclusive audio from tonight. Uh, getting it to you is another matter. Then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, it's just you know, event. You know, after you know Ben had been here for a minute, I'd asked him questions a number of times before. So when you had kind of that one-on-one with Ben Pierman, like I did last year, uh, that you, there was a rapport that was there, and uh, there was you know you could kind of tell when I was. You know what I, without necessarily saying what it was that I was looking for, he could kind of tell uh, what the answer needed to be, or, or you know, you know s- s- things along those lines. Um, not that I was ever pitching softballs because I don't do that. Although 901 FC was so good for most of last year that I never really had to ask tough questions anyway. Uh, they, there were certainly no stretches that I can recall where it was uh, 2-0 after 11 minutes. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but it just it, it it felt you know I, I've only met the only time prior to tonight that I'd met Stephen Glass was at his introductory press conference, and you know we talked for I don't know ten fifteen minutes maybe maybe not even that, uh, and that was in November. That was uh, whatever whatever day the uh, the final game in Argentina and Mexico's group was going on at the World Cup that day. Because I know there was all sorts of craziness with goal differential and goals for and goals against. And uh, at a soccer event at AutoZone Park, none of the TVs in the press level were on the World Cup. And I was very disappointed with that. 
Uh, I'm, I'm sure you could go back to the old pod, the old podcast feed, and, and find me complaining about that in there. But that's the only time I'd met Stephen Glass prior to today, so there's that rapport is not there, and so it just like it it felt kind of like a bad first date, and that's not his fault. That's not my fault. That's just it's nobody's fault. That's just the way it that's just the way it was. And you know, there's another home game next Saturday against Pittsburgh at four, and uh, as 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 the year goes on, I'm sure that rapport will will grow and blossom. And uh, it won't be, uh, I don't know if stilted is the right word, or if, if, you can fig- if I can figure out a way to get it in there, you'll be able to listen to it and decide for yourselves. Uh, but it just, I just remember thinking to myself, walking out, I was like, eh. that, just, that, that felt like a date where it felt like each person had to carry the conversation, but neither one really knew how to carry the conversation. That's kind of what that was tonight. Um, I think part of the reason for that is... It's a lot easier to talk and have a good time after a win than it is after a loss. Um, and they lost tonight. And so where, where do we want to start with this loss? Start at the beginning, I guess. Uh, right off the bat, probably first four minutes of the game, Loudon scores. Thank God the offside flag went up. And you're like, whew. There's that bullet. All right, boys. That's that's the wake up call. That's you, you, there's your there's your there's your. Uh, it's like an Apollo 13 when the center engine cuts out when they've launched into space and Tom Hanks goes, "Looks like we just hit our glitch for this mission." Uh, that's that's what today. That's what that offside goal should have been. It's hey, this is your glitch for this mission. And much like Apollo 13, it was not in fact the only glitch of the mission. The difference is Apollo 13 made it home alive. 901 FC did not get any points out of the game tonight. Uh, as not. I'd say probably two, three minutes after that offside goal, Loudon scored for real, and it was 1-0, and it was fantastic combination play right outside of the box and into the box, and the back line looked lost, almost as if, oh, there's a guy there. How did that happen? And it's it's the first game of the season. I get that. They didn't have any... Um, I don't know. In years past, it's felt like they had more preseason games. I know in previous preseasons, they did a lot of 80-minute games. I don't know if that was the case. Uh, I know like in years past, they've had a preseason game against the U of M men's team at AutoZone Park. And that's when you know we were able to bring you the preseason preview for the 901 Soccer Podcast. You get a, a game under your belt, kind of get, get back into the rhythm, shake some of the rust off. It's it, preseason for the players. It's preseason for the media, too. Um... But uh, for one reason or another, they just they decided to not do that. I think part of the reason was there was no grass at AutoZone Park, and that is something we will definitely touch on, hopefully, later in the show tonight. But it can't... I get that it's the first game, but it can't be that. It can't, that cannot be what that first 30 minutes was, okay? Because that, that's, that's just not good. That's... I, I almost want to call it unacceptable, really, because you cannot give up a goal that gets taken off the board in the fourth minute, and then in the seventh minute, give up a goal that was almost identical, and then in the eleventh minute, give up a goal that took... I mean, yes, the second goal, nothing Drew Romig's going to be able to do about that because it took a wicked deflection. It was going this way and hit somebody and ended up going that way. And as a goalkeeper, that's one where you're just, you start to move. You could go back and watch the replay, and we've all seen it a million times as much soccer as we've all watched. 
That's one where the goalkeeper starts to go and then realizes the ball's going that way and just kind of stands there like, crap. And that that's that's what happened to Drew Romig there. But if the back line does their job properly, nobody is getting off a wide-open, unopposed shot 19 yards away from the goal. And that's what happened there. Now, I don't know why they started so poorly, and that's something that Coach Glass, I asked, I was, I was like, you know, what do we... What what are we looking for against Pittsburgh next week? And he said the focus this week is we're gonna we're gonna focus on making sure we start well. And uh, I I have no qualms with that. That probably should be after after tonight. That should probably be a, a point of emphasis for this week. But it's you go down two zero and it could have been three zero. And at some and, and at this point you start getting thinking. You know there there was some bad press around this team both in the off season and in the and in the the week leading up to the game uh, there the, the and we were not immune to it I, I may or may not have uh, fired off some takes uh, which is fine and uh, the, but the the one that really really sent up the red flags was the the channel 3 story about Philip Goodrum really not wanting to be here and how he uh, he basically blamed the club and said that he tried to get out and other teams, both in MLS and in Europe, wanted him. And the club said, nah, pal, you're not going anywhere. Um, here, here's I've had several people, people ask me about that. So here, here's what I'm going to say about that. That's If that's true, that sucks for Philip Goodrum because he's a really good player. And I can 100% see him playing and succeeding in MLS, and perhaps down the road, even a, a, a you know a one or two different leagues in Europe. But at the end of the day, you you, you signed a two-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. And during the off-season, if I'm pretty sure that I said, look, now that Ben Pierman's gone. You need to move heaven and earth to keep the best players on this team here because that is something in years past that 901 FC has struggled with. See Kyle Murphy going to Miami FC. And so I've been hard on Memphis 901 FC. And I, I've, I've said a lot of bad things about them. Not, not just for the sake of saying bad things, but because they're true and they needed to be fixed. And I'm going to take 901 FC's side here on this. That Philip Goodrum's a player... That 100% needed to be kept in in this organization, in this city, and they did that. And I and I don't care if it was by hook, by crook, by whatever. He's here, and you know I don't want to question his professionalism. He's a pro, and you know that that was a rough first half, but it was a rough first half for the whole team. I had I had I had one person say it does. It looks like he doesn't want to be here. Um, you know. Maybe he doesn't want to be here, but I, he's still a professional and he's a damn good soccer player. And I will keep. If I was Stephen Glass, I'd keep putting him out there. Uh, I don't. I don't think that he's going to sandbag. I don't think that he's just going to go through the motions and go, "Well, f it." Like he's not like. If this was an NBA player, yeah, because that's what NBA players do. NBA players are like that person that you know that's been divorced five times and thinks it was their ex's fault every single time with zero introspection. But that's not. I don't think that. Now, granted, I've never spent any appreciable amount of time with Philip Goodrum outside of the hallway in front of the locker room, uh, but. 
based on those limited interactions, I would not, I don't think that he would be the type of player to, well, I wanted to be playing for, you know, the LA Galaxy or the New York Red Bulls or Atlanta United, so I'm just going to, you know, you know, blow, roll out there and half-ass it every single game. I don't think I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I think everybody just looked like ass in the first half against Loudon, and he was no exception to that. Now the second half, uh, right before the second half, they got a goal back, and it was a it was a great great counterattack. It was almost Brazilian-esque, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it was Brazilian-esque that it was led by uh, a Brazilian. I believe it was. Uh, uh, Luis Fernando led the counterattack, and it was it was a three on two, and it was a great layoff to Kisiadu, who, for probably the only time in the game, did something smart and shot the ball and scored. And we'll get to him in a minute. Um, but then in the second half, it's only two to one, and you know it probably should have been three or four uh, to one, to be perfectly honest, because they didn't play well in the first half. And then I won't quite say that it was like a switch got flipped. But it was almost like a switch got flipped because they came out in the second half, and this is something that Coach Glass mentioned after the game. It said, you know, despite being a goal down and then eventually being a man down, they looked like the better team in the second half. And I'll give them that. In the second half, they were the better team. And that is something, I've said this before, and I know that I will say it again, but that is something that drives me absolutely crazy about soccer coaches throughout the world is you can uh, get shelled 7-0 and the coach will go in there, oh, well, you know, yeah, the result didn't go our way, but I think we were the better team. No, you weren't the better team. You lost 7-0. You were not the better team. Um, the second half of that game, 9-1 FC was the better team. And even after Kisiadu got sent off, and I guess we can go ahead and talk about that right now, uh, that was... Now, okay, so... Uh, Things got a little bit weird to start the second half, not two, three minutes into the second half. Uh, a 9-1-FC player, I don't remember who it was, and Stephen Glass both got cautioned, and I got to assume uh, the Glass one was probably for dissent. I asked him about it after the game, and he just said, I was just questioning the call, and he decided to flash a yellow card. I happened to be buried in my phone, and so I kind of missed what happened. Um, I don't know what, what the player got the card for, uh, Probably a foul. Maybe for maybe he got called for a foul and then was cautioned for dissent. I don't know. Uh, but Stephen Glassman was probably definitely for dissent. Probably definitely. And and that kind of I don't want to say set the tone, but that was just like hmm. Okay, that seems kind of kind of odd. But you know we just roll on down the road. Well, then we get into whatever minute that it was and. Kisiadu gets the ball and gets into the box and has kind of a one-on-one -on -one with a defender and then decides, let me slow up. And then two more defenders show up. And he said, well, now there's three defenders. Can't cross, can't shoot. Let me dribble to the corner. And he goes over to the corner flag and promptly loses the ball and it goes out of bounds. And now this is where things went off the rails. As he's, you know, there's a little bit of, little bit of, little bit of this, a little bit of chirping. It happens. Uh, referee's in a decent position to handle it if anything goes awry, I thought. And then you get... Uh, now, I, I missed the whole deal because I was typing on the laptop, and this is one thing I've talked about where in 
in the I'm so focused on relaying the information to the Twitter sphere as it happens that you could ask me something about the game after the game, and I would be like, "Ooh, I don't know what to tell you about that." Uh, I'm so focused on getting the information out that I completely miss everything that happened, which is the weirdest thing. You wouldn't think you you you're, you're I'm telling you what's happening. You'd think I'd be able to tell you what happened after the fact because I told you what happened as it happened. Um, I guess that's the old saying: you can't see the forest for the trees. But you know, I just kind of look away, and I was and I was banging out on the keyboard because I was a little bit irritated with Kiss You Do for having a one on one with a defender in the box and deciding to neither shoot nor pass and instead go to the corner flag and then I look up and there's a I hear every, every, and I hear everybody in the stadium's going nuts and I oh whoa hey what happened oh hey there's a defender on the ground the referee is going boop, 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 and, and, and doing this and shooing some players away and I'm like well somebody must have just got whacked in the face if dude is down here on the ground and kiss you over here like this and the ref I saw him reach for the back pocket and I'm like, well, that's a red for somebody. Well, then he gives the, the, the player on the ground, gets up, and he gives him a caution. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Then he goes right back to the back pocket and pulls out the red and shows it to Kissy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. And then I couldn't see a replay on the, on the Jumbotron, which, by the way, has been, has been fixed and looks absolutely fantastic, the screen itself. There's no, no missing pixels, no large black chunks out there. Uh, the only problem is the, the, the Redbird's clock on the top it's it's like the clock tower from Back to the Future. It's just dead. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it, it'll be right twice a day every day. But uh, truth be told, given the choice between the two, I will take the functioning scoreboard every time. Uh, we were discussing. Man, wouldn't it be cool if it had stopped at 10:04 p.m. like it was the clock tower in Hill Valley? Uh, but I think it's it's like 10 till 9 is what it's frozen at up there. Um, but anyway, so Kissy Do gets sent off. And I'm thinking, well, the referee was was there, and uh, you know, believe it or not, referees don't just hand out red cards for no reason. I know when your team is on the receiving end, people like to think that, and I don't really know why. Uh, as somebody who's been a referee for almost 17 years now, I can assure you that we don't just hand red cards out just just for the hell of it. That doesn't happen. Um, I'm like, well. That, that red came out for a reason, and he was right there, so I'm not going to argue with it. And then, I, you know, you look at the... I finally, courtesy of the Twitter sphere, um, yes, did the Loudon player make a meal out of the contact to his face, neck area? Yes. Dude went down like he'd been hit with a Mike Tyson haymaker. He was not hit with a Mike Tyson haymaker. It was kiss you dude, just like, ah, like that. Because dude had come up and rubbed him on the head. Which, when you look at it, I'm like, oh, that's what the caution was for. That makes sense. And then dude turns around and, like that. And so, if you're a referee, and to your naked referee eyes, if you're, you know, maybe out of the corner of your eye, maybe you're, even if maybe you're staring right at it from 10, 10, 15 yards away, that looks like, pop! That's what it looks like. I can tell you because I've had games where that's happened. And just because I get that people think that it's a soft red card because the defender did actually make quite a meal out of it and and uh, elaborate for effect, and it had the desired effect. But sending a send off for violent conduct is striking or attempting to strike an opponent, and that falls under this 
whether it was a haymaker or, you know, j just because it did not result in fractures, breaks, blood drawn does not mean that it's not striking or attempting to strike an opponent. And so, like, if you want to be mad, I can't make you not be mad about that. Um, there, there is one person to blame for that, and that's Laurent Kisiadu, for a variety of reasons. A, don't do that. Maybe that's just me, but don't take swipes at people. I get that it's frustrating because dude came up here and went like that, and you're frustrated because you just lost the ball, but that's part two to this. If you get into the box and pass or shoot like you're supposed to, instead of stopping, letting two extra defenders come up and then dribble to the corner flag and let the ball go out of bounds, that red card doesn't happen. The whole scenario leading up to that red card doesn't happen. You, like, if you... Like, one one of my grander, more grand life philosophies is if you don't put yourself in a situation where bad things can happen, more often than not, bad things don't happen. So if you're not in a situation where you're going to be able, you're, you're going to turn around and swing on a dude, if you do what you're supposed to do and send the ball over that way towards the goal, you you're not going to end up in a scenario where you turn the ball over in the corner. And then dude comes up and does this to you, and you pop him. Now, yes, I mean, like, on replay, it's a little bit soft, yeah, because he didn't draw blood, he didn't break the dude's nose, it was not the Mike Tyson haymaker, but violent conduct is striking or attempting to strike. And uh, I think the referee was well within his rights to send, off, send Kissidoo off. And again... There is one person to blame for that. One. And I hit my finger on the corner of the table just now, and that hurt. Uh, Laurent Kissidou. Both because he didn't do what he was supposed to when he was in the box, and then because he retaliated. And that's a tale as old as time. The teacher always catch the, catches the retaliator. I learned that lesson many times when I was in school. Well, let me rephrase. I didn't learn it. I uh, was on the receiving end of that lesson. Um... But even after the red card, 9-0-1 FC was the better team. They were a man down and a goal down, and they had most of the ball in the second half. I don't really recall outside of the third and final. Excuse me, outside of the third and final goal, I don't really recall any clear-cut chances for Loudon. Um, and the third goal, I'm. You know what? That's fine. Uh, we had the situation happen in the Memphis Americans women's game. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, whenever, I think it was two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, whenever it was, where, you know, you're down a goal with very little time left on the clock, so you might as well throw everybody forward because there's really not a whole lot of difference in losing by one or losing by two. Uh, so the, the, the reward in the point far outweighs the risk of conceding an extra goal and continuing to lose anyway. So I'm not going to I'm not going to fault anybody for that third Loudon goal. And I don't want to see was doing exactly what I would have done and what they should have done. You know, you had everybody except Aaron Malloy and Drew Romig in the box. So you had eight of your ten, you had 80% of your team in the box. That's, I mean, that's, that's just smart. Um, one player that I think needs uh, to be, to be circled here. So I'll go ahead and circle him uh, to be signaled, singled out, signaled out, whatever you want to call it, is uh, Dylan Borzak. That dude was that dude came on and he didn't get much but maybe 10 or 15 minutes tonight but he was everywhere. 
he was everywhere. The best chances for 901FC after he came on were all through him. And uh, for he had they, they forced some really good saves out of the Loudon goalkeeper. They forced some really good saves. Uh, there was one where uh, uh, Goodrum went full Superman, like like laid all the way out, like full Superman, and missed missed it by about that much, and went over. And there's one Borsak came in with a flying header, and dude had to go boom and and bat it out there, and force a corner. And like they they looked like the second half, even after the red card, they looked good. Uh, there was one, there was one where Akeem Ward. Uh, took half the Loudon team on and went one on five and got through everybody. But to get through everybody, he had to take a little bit of a heavier touch and it went to the goalkeeper. Uh, so like the, 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 as depressing as that first half was, the second half was almost the polar opposite. Now they didn't score. This felt like, in that regard, it felt kind of like 2019 where if y'all remember that like the first 10 15 games in in 2019 they got they couldn't they couldn't buy a goal they were hitting the post just over the crossbar goal line clearances like everything you could running into a keeper who was just on an absolute blinder that night uh, it was absurd um but uh the the Akeem Ward and Goodrum connecting looked pretty good Borsak looked really good as a sub off the bench what this team really missed, they missed less than Paul. I mean, he's he's your most he's the most the, the longest tenured player on the team. He's been here since day one. He's the captain. He's in the midfield, and I he, he's a guy that I I can almost get, I'd, I'd I'd bet however much cash I have sitting in my wallet. I bet that after they have a goal after Loudon has a goal called back, and then the team concedes another goal almost immediately anyway. He he he'd start knocking some sense into some guys, as as the cats his role as the captain. Um, uh, and that's one thing I uh, I spoke to to Coach Glass about after the game. It was like when what is Leston Paul going to be back next week? He said probably not next week, but hopefully you know real real soon after that. He picked up an injury in training, and I think right here on the game notes, what does it say? Uh, the hamstring. He's got a hamstring issue. Is what he picked up. Um. So uh, that was that was a little bit frustrating, and uh, I don't want to quite say understandable because no showing in the first thirty minutes of the game. I don't know that I'll ever understand that. Uh, this isn't the Charleston game last year, where Charleston had they gave up five goals and had five people kicked out of the game, and the writing was on the wall for Ben taking that job after that game, and I didn't realize it after I chatted with him after the game. Uh, that's that's a different discussion for a different day. Although I guess while we're on the subject, um, it's 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 guys. I get that we all miss Ben. I miss Ben. You miss Ben. We all miss Ben. I get that because Ben was awesome. Ben was never has has never not been awesome anywhere he's ever coached. And uh, I I wish he was here still. Yes, I do. And there is cause for concern that Stephen Glass has had a losing record at every single club he's ever managed. Like, he's been a loser everywhere. I can write it off on three of the four, though, okay? A, sh- a short stint with Shamrock Rovers in Ireland, like 10 games, eh, whatever. Atlanta United 2, 
your, your job with Atlanta United 2 is not to get results. Your job with Atlanta United 2 is to be a farm team for the MLS club. And then his gig with Atlanta United was an interim gig during a COVID season, taking over from Frank DeBoer, who, as it turns out, is something of a con artist. Because he keeps getting bigger and better jobs and keeps making them worse. Um, the only one that I, I that would really cause me concern is his poor run with Aberdeen in Scotland. Not Aberdeen, Mississippi. Aberdeen, Scotland. And uh, But right now, I get that his record isn't great and that we all miss Ben, but let's all tap the brakes. Let's, it's one game, okay? We, not only want to see lost their home opener last year to Pittsburgh 3-0. That was the snow game. There wasn't, there, there wasn't any snow on the field when the game started, but that's because the ground screw had to work their asses off with the snowblowers, or the leaf blowers, I should say, that turned into snowblowers. Um, it's, it's one game. Now, do... One thing that concerns me that I saw tonight, and I don't know that Leston Paul is the fix for this, is that this team looks like they've got Greg Berhalter team tendencies. And you can't, you might not be able to see it, but I say the name Greg Berhalter and there's a vein in my head that starts throbbing. Because uh, if, if, that, that's one of the very few people on this earth that I wish bad things upon, both personally and professionally. And he seems to have brought those on himself. So good job, Greg. Uh, but what I mean when I say Greg Berhalter tendencies is what is one thing that we screened about for five years that drove us crazy about Greg Berhalter's teams? That they would get into excellent opportunities to score and because of the way they were trained and it was beaten into them, you don't shoot unless you can walk the ball into the goal. That's a Greg Berhalter team. And that works against teams like Grenada and uh, Cuba and, and teams of that nature, and for some reason it didn't work against Curacao, you know, that's a country that has a liquor bottle named after it. Um, and we were life or death with them, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but there was, in the build-up to Kissy Adu send-off, that's, that's what that felt like. Uh, you know, there were a couple of other times, too many touches in the box. Um, I, it's too early in, in, in Coach Glass's tenure and too early in the season to declare that's what this team is going to be. Um, I might let, let's at least wait until we're through that open cup game in Knoxville in early April before we start making proclamations about what this team is and isn't, especially with your captain and longest tenured player out injured. Um, but you know, if, if the tendencies do exist for a reason, uh, kind of like the old saying, how stereotypes exist for a reason, which is, I mean, it's not always the case, but there is a reason that they exist, and that is something that I noticed tonight, and that's not something that I'm happy about, uh, contrary to what my smirk may say. Um, but, you know, it stunk tonight. It did. And, uh, you know, there, there was doubt whether the game was even you know, going to get played tonight because there was no grass early in the week. Uh, as recently as last weekend, I had people sending me pictures like, uh, there's not a single blade of it. Like, it's all dirt. All dirt. No grass. No grass anywhere. And I asked around, and word came down. was like, the sod's here. It's getting put down, and we're playing. All right. Cool. And they were, the grass got put down. Uh, shout out to the grounds crew at AutoZone Park for getting that 
all sorted out. I'm sure that took a hell of a lot of doing to get sod, excuse me, put down and sewn and stitched together and all that good stuff in, uh, what is today, Saturday? So in four or five days. So I'm, I'm glad they got it done. I'm glad the scoreboard is, is the Jumbotron is fully operational and functioning the way it's supposed to. That's good. I like that. That's, that's one thing. That's the, still from last season, the episode where How Do We Improve Memphis 901 FC's Attendance is still the most listened to episode from last year, by far. Even more than our playoff games, even more than the war of words we had with the scumbags from Detroit, even more than, uh, you know, the Ben Pierman's gone meltdown I had, even more than some of my Greg Burhalter rants. Um, that is still the most listened to. And one of the things we said was fix the Jumbotron. The Jumbotron is fixed. They did what we asked. It took them a while, but we got there. Chalk up a win for, uh, I don't know, who, who do we attribute that win to? I'll, I'll, we, we'll, let's all take credit for that win, everybody. The, the organization, the team, the fans, the media, let's all take credit for it. Um, but there were still some issues. Found out uh, one of the joys, and anybody that knows me knows that I, contrary to my uh, my young uh, boyish appearance, I am a crotchety, angry old man. And AutoZone Park being a cashless venue is dumb because it leads to problems. Like when you, I, I saw some, there was a fan, a, a, a good, a good, I won't say good friend, a friend that is a listener of the program was complaining about issues with food credits. And there was a system issue. Well, you know when there wasn't a system issue? When you could go get your drink or your pizza or your hot dog or your chicken fingers and hand your $10 bill and take the $2 change and drop it in the tip jar and go back to your seat. There were no system issues when you could hand over a 10 or a 20. But now we've got fancy, oh, for your safety, of course. It's much safer to hand a card over or to pay with your phone than it is to hand over a $10 bill. Ooh, the cash, the COVID's on the cash. No, I don't buy it. It's, uh, and, and you know, I'm sure in some way, shape or form, it's cheaper for the uh, facility. I mean, that, that's, that's why these, these teams and organizations do it. Not because it's easier or more convenient for you, the fan. It's not. And not because it's easier or more convenient for the actual concession stand or beer employees walking up and down the aisles. It's not. Uh, no, it, it's, it's you're saving money somewhere. And that's all that it boils down to. Uh, so, you know, that's like the, the joys of cashless venues. Um, it's... it's uh, just, just remember that when you could go places and spend cash, there were no system issues that prevented you from being able to get your stuff. Um, so while we're glad that the, the grass got put down and we're glad that the Jumbotron got fixed, there's still a lot more that AutoZone Park. And, uh, uh, and it, it didn't sound like that the big ask included any money for AutoZone Park. They gave it to the Grizzlies and to Tiger Football for FedEx Forum and Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, but I don't recall any of it coming to AutoZone Park. So that's something that's going to have to get figured out because system is this is not the first system issue to hit AutoZone Park as far as payments and and and, and, and 
Oh, uh, well, there's a new ticketing system in place. Well, you know, you could just let me hand you a 20 for my stuff. I give you money, and you give me my stuff. And that's all really I planned on today. Uh, it says, in God we trust. Don't you trust God? Uh, anyway, uh, oh, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. I, I, I got too, too into the comedy bits. Uh, no, there was there was one. Oh no, okay. So announced attendance tonight was four thousand and one, like one, like four zero zero one, which I, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and I had several people on the Twitter machine say, "Oh, the TV must be broken, or my eyes must not be working, because I don't see four thousand people in there." And normally, I am always very skeptical. Uh, I will say, for the most part, over the course of the their, the five years that 901 FC has been in existence, the announced attendance has roughly matched what my eyes see out in the crowd. Um, now, granted, I'm not a good, I'm not sitting there with an abacus walking up and down each aisle going one, two, three, well, five, six, seven. No, I'm not doing that. Um, but I have a, I like to think I've got a pretty good grasp of what. You know, it's not. You know, they're not announcing seven thousand people, and you know, you can count everybody. This isn't an this isn't a Memphis Americans game where you can sit there and count people and come up with an accurate tally. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess you could if you had the time and the wherewithal, but I don't, so I don't try that. Um. Uh, but with the weather being the way that it was, I mean, I'd say there were. I'd say you know maybe not exactly four thousand people, but I wouldn't say there were less than three. Um, you know, there, everybody had moved into about the last five rows of the lower section because that's where the, the overhang was, where it was covered. You could stay out of the rain. Uh, shout out to several of the Mafia folks who braved the elements anyway. Um, but the announced attendance tonight, 4,001. Uh, that is higher. I, I, just, I Just off the top of my head, I want to say last year's home opener attendance was like 2,900, but there was a blizzard the night before. Uh, so that had something to do with it. The 4 p.m. start time today, I was able to get confirmed as that was mo That was, uh, you know, because for years it's always been, you know, with three or four exceptions over the course of five years, every home game has been at seven o'clock, um, which I like because I mean you know when it's going to be at seven o'clock. You don't have to look it up. It's at seven. Luckily, earlier this week I did look it up, and it was at four o'clock, um, and that was because the Grizzlies were playing the Mavericks, I think, at FedEx Forum at 7 o'clock. And so you didn't want that, you know, you got... The, the, the theory was that I was told was St. Patrick's Day Parade would kind of segue into 901 FC game and then would segue into Grizzlies game. And I, I applaud that line of thinking. You do, do what you can to maximize... Uh, as Notre Dame's as, as Notre Dame's athletic director would say, maximize home revenue. Although what he really means by that is we're going to play games in other, you know, we're going to play home games in not Notre Dame Stadium, which is just dumb. But this isn't a college football podcast. I'll save that for another day. Um, so yeah, don't. I mean, that's that was a good. What I I would consider that to be a savvy move. On 901 FC's part. Now, did it result in a packed house of 8,000 people? No, it did not. Uh, were there more people there than there otherwise would have been had the game been at seven, competing with the Grizzlies game? I think so. We don't have, have any real way to prove that. You can't prove what didn't happen. Um, but 
it's it, I would bet money on the fact that the crowd would have the announced attendance would have been lower than four thousand one had the game been going on at the same time as the Grizzlies game. Now for next week, I don't know why it's at four. Uh, there's I don't believe anything going on in town. That's next Saturday, uh, but it's at four. Uh, so I'm I'm putting it out there now. It's at four, but I think that's the last non seven o'clock game of the season. All right, I think that's all we're going to do here tonight. We've gone, looks like, about 45 minutes. So I uh, want to say thanks to everybody for tuning in and watching. Uh, I'm used to saying listening, uh, but you, you might just be listening. I don't know. You might uh, might just have it on in the car or something. Who knows? Uh, but thanks. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to Bluff City Media. Become an insider. I uh, want to say it's like $80 a year. You should get in on that and get not just not. You'd get all the all the 901 FC and Memphis Americans, and eventually when we get into the fall, U of M soccer, men's and women's, but probably the women's because they're better. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll get all of that. But part of being part of 901, the, the 901 Soccer Podcast now being under the Bluff City Media umbrella is that when you follow us, you get the opportunity to follow a whole lot more. You get, you know, you get to there. You get a lot of Grizzlies, Tiger basketball, Tiger football. Not just Tiger men's basketball, but Tiger women's basketball because Katrina Wareweather has done a fantastic job with that program in just two years. Um, and so you get Tiger men's basketball, Tiger women's basketball, Tiger football, Memphis 901 FC, Memphis Americans, Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, there's 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 discussion of uh, showboats, uh, which. You know, whatever you think of yet another non-NFL football league, um, you know, the plan is, well, somebody, some way, shape, or form will be there. Uh, so follow at Bluff City underscore media. Uh, Bluff City, you know, the, the Bluff City media website. Become an insider. Subscribe. You get all of that content. You get a lot of info for not a lot of money. Uh, that's it's, it's, it's a great deal that, that you really can't beat. That's not... It's not you know, it's it's uh, it's a local version of the athletic, but better. Um, you get to you get to put a face to the voice and the names and the Twitter and the Twitter personalities. Uh, I do apologize for my face for radio, uh, but thanks everybody for listening. Uh, excited to to bring you a a new version of the Nine on One Soccer Podcast here as part of the Bluff City Media umbrella. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in for listening. I'm Lawrence Docker. You can find me on Twitter at ldoc93. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod, just like you always have. But now you can also find Bluff City Media on Twitter at Bluff City underscore Media, and check them out on on the website. You can also uh, the Facebook page for the 901 Soccer Podcast, 901 Soccer, just like it's always been. Uh, you can you can certainly get all the info from the. A little bit less than a Twitter feed, but you know, because the mediums are different. But uh, you know, it matches fairly closely with the same profile, same header, all that good stuff. So uh, excited to bring to to bring you the Bluff City Media Nine on One Soccer Podcast, and excuse me, and uh, hopefully we can continue to thrive in this new format. But uh, until next Saturday, uh, 